if I don't have a target in front of me, I will go backwards. I will. There is no, you don't say stagnant. I used to think that you could be stagnant. That does not exist. You either make progress or you lose progress. Being stagnant is not a thing. Firehouse Vigilance presents The Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance, Weekly Scrap, number 214. My guest tonight is my brother, my friend, Basil Ibrahim, a 19-year student of the fire service, currently serving as the company officer of Tower One on the Orlando Fire Department. Basil started his career in Volusia County, Florida, spent most of his time on Special Operations Unit. He is a Florida and Georgia smoke diver, Georgia Flames graduate. He teaches truck school, VES, RIT operations all across the country, anywhere you'd want to teach. He has been there. He's the owner and lead instructor of Pro, Proactive Rescue Operations, an international training company that focuses on RIT, survival, and truck operations. Basil does the training he teaches. He teaches USAR. He has one of my favorite lectures, One Bad Day. And now something we're going to talk about tonight, which is the, the, the One Bad Tour. Uh, my brother, Basil, Ibram, welcome back to the scrap, number 214. All right. How's it going, Corley? Going good, my man. I am excited for this evening. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for uh, having me follow Chief Lieb. No pressure whatsoever. No pressure, <laughs> no pressure at all, man. Uh, yeah. one of the, just one of the best dudes on the planet, followed by one of the best dudes on the planet. All right, we'll find out. Uh, Kyle is in the chat. He is ready to field your questions. Whether you throw them up in Facebook or YouTube, he is looking at them. He is ready to grab them, so get your questions ready for Basil. Uh, anything I missed, anything you would like to add uh, from the intro? Nope, that's uh, already too much. We're ready to rock. Audience, uh, yeah. Kyle's here. He's waiting for you. Quick announcements. If you're not a member of the Vigilantes, go to firehousevigilance.com. Become a member of the Vigilantes. I already asked Basil if he would be in the scrap after party. He said he would be. So if you want the, to, to come in there and roast him after he tries to follow Frank Lieb, you can roast him in the after party, which is something we always threaten to do and never find a way to roast him. Um, yeah, so that gets everything underway. Yeah, on to the sponsors. Kehoe's the Hose experts. Check them out online at keyhose.com or follow them on Facebook. Affordable drill tower. Firefighter owned and operated. The only thing that you can't do on an affordable drill tower is live fire. Affordable drill tower. You can repel, stretch hose lines, go through the stairs, go through the floor, do window bailouts, cut holes in the roof props, use the apartment balconies, pump into the FDC, or flow water from the sprinkler system. Call Steve, 844-55-TOWER, or drop an email to info at AffordableDrillTowers.com. FireStationFurniture.com provides a complete line of quality furniture for your firehouse. Firefighter owned and operated. They understand the strain firefighters put on furniture and offer furniture that's built to last. Visit FireStationFurniture.com for more information. And then the Fast Wrench, my buddy Dave. Fast Wrench is the one and only standpipe operations multi-tool in the fire service. It combines 10 different tools into one lightweight, easy-to-use hand tool. The Fast Wrench is quickly becoming the best practice tool for adjusting any make or model field-adjustable PRV, and it is an absolute must-have in your standpipe kit. Designed by a firefighter for doing the tough business of standpipe firefighting. Check them out at FastWrench.net. 
That officially gets us through the sponsors and to the fun part of the show, focusing on the guest. Brother, uh, 93, episode 93 was the last time I, I, I got to have you on the scrap. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a little while ago. That and uh, the uh, the chat with uh, Jim McCormick and Rob, that yep. was fun too, man. But oh, it's, yeah. It's been a while, man. You've pumped out a, quite a few awesome guests since then. No, the mega scrap was after. It was after. So yes, we did have the mega scrap. But man, it's been a minute since we got to have a one-on-one uh, uh, conversation. And I want and and since then, man, so much has gone on. But I want to start off and lead off with the call. The call. A lot of people have probably read read about it, seen the posts, things like that. But for those who haven't, fill them in on the call and basically what went down, and we'll talk about uh, your mindset towards that and how it can help others. Yeah, essentially, we uh, we had a rollover car accident uh call a single unit dispatch for uh for us typically uh if it's in the extensive damage or a rollover or entrapment we usually get a multi-unit dispatch but for for that call they dispatched us just straight up single unit so you would assume that it's just a minor minor wreck I was working uh, a swap on a tower truck, Tower 15, that's in a very slow part of the city. Uh, and the engine company and the rescue were out on a call. All the other units uh, surrounding uh, the other firehouses were out on call. The city was pretty busy that night. So we got popped for that wreck. And uh, so we get on the rig. Uh, in route, we look at the computer and essentially the notes were populating stating that uh, it's a rollover, uh, possible entrapment. So I let the guys know, hey man, it's this is probably or possibly be an extrication. So the guys were finishing getting ready and literally as we turned a corner, we could see uh, the glow. So I guess the vehicle was... Uh, on fire and at that moment we saw the glow about you know a quarter mile from uh, the firehouse to turn and uh, our dispatch upgraded the alarm they were getting multiple calls saying that there was a victim trapped in there so literally i would say maybe less than a minute from that point we we were on scene already so get on scene confirmed entrapment single vehicle rollover uh so it flipped it hit a tree pretty pretty hard and landed back on the roof uh uh cars and debris everywhere uh we were on scene for about 11 minutes before anybody else got okay. there now 11 minutes may seem like a very short amount of time, but I'm telling you, for me and for the guys, it felt like we were on scene for five hours waiting for, uh, you know, for, for help. So we pull up, get out, do a quick 360, confirm the entrapment, one lady screaming on the inside. Uh, we start trying to knock the fire out with a water can while we stretch the line. We don't have a lot of water on the tower trucks uh, in Orlando, relaying the information to command uh, and telling him we're going to uh, what we call rapid rescue mode. So essentially not going, following all the 
proper steps of cribbing and all this extra stuff. We need to get this person out. So it was an engine compartment fire that was extending into the passenger compartment. So no fire in the uh, passenger compartment yet, but the amount of smoke that was pumping out of there was was significant. Right. So uh, essentially, we knocked it down with a water can. One of the uh, firemen knocked it out with the water can. The other guys were stretching the line uh, and grabbing the tools. And uh, we were able to pop the rear uh, windshield and make patient contact with that lady. And uh, she was pinned in there, like her legs were, were pinned between the uh, front headrest and uh, the roof. And essentially, man, I mean, uh, I ended up taking my air pack off and giving her my mask. So just to buy us some time for the extrication. There was only sure. you know, four of us operating there. And uh, so that that's the call in, in a nutshell. Uh, the, you know, out the box per se thinking of taking the face piece off and using it to provide air, airway support to the civilian victim. And honestly, I did not even think about it while I was doing it. I, it just, it was just like second nature, just taking my air pack off and giving it to her. Uh, that call was probably one of the most uh, stressful calls in my career to this day. Uh, so besides that, that call, I don't count that call as a grab, but besides that i've had four i was involved in four uh grabs rescues in my career uh and that call was more stressful than every single one of them and what i attribute the stress to it was because that person was still conscious alive and asking for help at the time you know the right. other grabs that we were involved in and we found them house fired they were all unconscious when we got to them so it was almost no emotional attachment if if that makes any sense right but uh but that was extremely stressful it added a lot of a lot of stress and uh the fact that when you got somebody telling you please get me out of here don't let me die and all these things you're like damn man like you really have to do something and make a decision like that, like right away, right now. And there is no, like, what do we do? There's nobody to help. So right. anyhow, luckily it, it worked out really well. We were able to give her the face piece. She was actually fighting it initially. She was a little claustrophobic. So we cracked the bypass a little bit uh, just to kind of give her some flow and coach yeah. her through the through the process because i didn't want to open it up all the way and now we're we're you know completely out of air but right. uh she tolerated it she, she was able to hold it on on her face and uh we were able to do uh you know a dirty extrication and kind of uh just stabilize the side and cut one of the c posts and ended up prying down on the roof and ex extricating her so the fire we thought we had it under control we ran out of water with our, our hose line and the fuel tank was uh, ruptured. So it kept uh, reigniting the second engine, uh, the first engine showed up on scene and then, uh, you know, mitigated that with some foam operation. But uh, so it, it took us from the arrival to uh, victim being extricated was 11 minutes, which 
I think it's uh, for that circumstance. I think looking back at it, it's it's a pretty fast rescue uh, for for what we had. Right. Uh, so I don't know why what I can attribute. I guess the success of it to uh, out of the four of us working that day, three of us were not assigned to that truck. So oh, wow. Okay. The district chief that was on scene was also a floating district chief. So you really had like no crew continuity right. per se, but in my fire department, we have SOPs, uh, seat assignment, rig assignments. So I think that that also uh, helped out quite a bit. Uh, you know, we didn't have to give out too many orders right out of the get go. Uh, the guys, yeah. did, the guys did a phenomenal job, man. And so uh, let me uh, dig in and say, have you ever had you ever drilled on or thought about before saying, "Man, if we get this, I'm going to pull my air pack and give it to a victim." Is that anything that ever you'd ever drilled on or thought about? No, no. But I tell you what. If it happens again, I will pull the rip pack instead of giving up my own face piece. So now it's actually on my crew on Taiwan as part of our uh, pin job assignment. Uh, if we have any sort of fire involvement, we bring our rip pack and stage it out nice. there. Nice. Because me giving my, my face piece to the victim, not only, well, one, now I don't have a face piece on an air pack. So uh, potentially, you know, it could set me back. Two, the pass alarm kept going off every 20 seconds. So I had, I had to keep going back and kind of shake You're it. Doing the shimmy. It. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, I mean, the pass, the rip pack has more air than, uh, than our air pack carries. Also, the patient ended up actually running out of air uh, right before we extricated her. I had called for a second air pack from uh, engine 16 driver. Uh, to kind of do like a swap, but if sure. it was a rip pack, we could have just like transferred it or, you know, right. so right. Uh, there was a lot of lessons learned on, on that end of it. Uh, and really the, the main thing that I want to tell people about this call is don't be afraid to make outside the box, like out the box decision, as long as you can justify them afterwards. Right. Uh, you know, I, there is there is talks about you know me being written up for improper use of SCBA and operating in the hot zone without the proper PPE, all this stuff. Uh, at the end of the day, I would have taken that write up and hung it up next to like all my cool stuff. Right, and right, be proud of right, it. right. Uh, but it never happened, so right. That, that's a good thing. No, I love uh, it. And uh, Abershoff, I think it's his book where he talks about the uh, New York Times test. I think I, I could be misquoting the, the newspaper. He says, basically, if you're happy reading the headline the next day in the New York Times, you know, firefighter takes off air pack to save woman trapped in car. If you're happy reading that headline, then go. That can be your that can be your test. Yeah, you know, that's go right. ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. That's right. But uh, Jeff, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, Jeff Burke said, talking about this story with our crew led to the decision to pull the rip pack for the victim on any vehicle with entrapment. Awesome job, Basil and crew. So I wanted to say that. Like, it's it's resonating and mattering. It's making a difference out there. Yeah. No, excellent, man. That, and it's not it's not really about me. You know, if, if the crew didn't do what they did, 
the rescue would not have been successful. I mean, those sure. guys were were moving and thinking just just as fast and just as much as anybody else. You know, those guys did a, a, a kick-ass job. Now, the crazy thing that we found out the next day was that lady that we pulled out was the daughter of one of our dispatchers. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we, no, I hadn't we, heard didn't, that. we didn't, didn't know any of that, obviously, but that just reemphasized the fact that really you need to treat every patient that you run on just like if it's your family because you're, you're not, you never know who you're going to run on, man. And uh, that, was, that was crazy. I'm glad the outcome was good. We were able to visit her a few months later. I mean, the call, that's been over a year now. I think it was May 16th or May 17th of last year. But that was a good, good outcome on that, man. Uh, I wrote an article on it for uh, Fire Engineering with all the, you know, a lot of lessons learned. And, uh, you know, like step by step, people can try to reach out to I think the September issue of last year. I'll try to find it. I'll try to post a link to it in, in the chat. Yeah. If I can yeah, find no. the if I can find the link, I'll throw it out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you said seat assignments, which I'm really big on. Uh, I love I love seat. I love having a playbook when you're coming off the rig. You know, the air brake is hut and everybody runs the play, right? And so, do you have them on extrications on pin jobs? Do you actually have uh, seat assignments on those? Yep, absolutely. So right. so seat assignments are great, but they also if if you don't think past them it actually handcuffs you. It, it makes you into a cookbook fireman, what I call them. You right just on. know exactly this is what I do. And then if it goes beyond that, you're stuck. So it's a nice. great starting point to get the ball rolling. However, you still need to uh, attack and train on the scenarios and the calls that are going to be outside the norm. But we do have them on pin jobs. And uh, I, I even go... A little bit more advanced on that with my crew uh you know we we talk about seat assignments for vehicle on all four seat assignments for vehicle on its roof or on its side or if we have to use uh the wench or chains so uh we we even we're a little bit i'm gonna say crazier than the others uh but we even go to the engineer is going to go to the roof side. The the left jump is going to go to the undercarriage. So we we try to really pinpoint everything, but so that it makes sense and we can affect the rescue as fast as possible. Right on. That's right the on. Go. No, but I yeah. love it. I love it. I love it. I love I love I love uh, sharing it to everybody. Um, I did post a link. It does. It may be you may have to have a subscription to Fire Engineering to read it online. I'm I'm not sure, but I did post the link to it. It's mixed crew does amazing job on trap victim or something. Pretty much, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Make sure I had the right article. I didn't think there was a lot that you had written uh, about an entrapment, so I figured I was I was safe. Uh, solid, brother. Okay. So I love it. Thank you for sharing it. I want to get to this because it's a. It's, I love this topic. And everybody, if you have questions. For, uh, for Baz about any of the, the extrication stuff, rescue stuff, you saw all of it, anything you want to throw at him, please get it. Kyle is here in the chat, ready to grab, uh, ready to grab. But I want to get to the challenge you faced over the last, uh, I don't know how, I don't know when it started, but you lost every member of your crew 
two promotions yep. within yep. a six-month six span. Talk to me about that. Correct. So literally as of last week, I lost all three of my backseat firemen and my driver. All they all promoted out. So all three of my, uh, my firefighters took the engineer test. My driver took the uh, lieutenant's test, the company officer test, and uh, they, they're gone. They all, they all got promoted. So I, uh, I'm happy. I'm very happy for him. But honestly, I'm, I'm not because we didn't do a really good job at, uh, you know, filling the bench uh, for the succession plan for that. And sure. uh, so now we're we're facing the uh, <laughs> the repercussion from that. So it's I cannot stress enough that no matter no matter what, you guys have a super awesome crew, well oiled machine. You work well together. Even if your your crew is not planning on taking a test or moving or whatever the case is it is super important for you to develop the future candidates for your truck uh i can't stress that enough uh we've there i am now i mean the guys that just got assigned to the rig they're all great they all earned their spot there is no spot that are just given like that uh however we we're not a team yet, if, if right, that makes, right. if that oh, makes absolutely. sense. Absolutely. And, uh, and that that part, it, it, to me, is probably the most important part. That crew cohesiveness, that trust, that team building is, uh, is extremely important. And there's only two ways you can develop that, is running calls with, with them or training them. That's it. That's the only way you can really build trust with, with people. Uh, so, so, so <laughs> that's where we are. And then we talked about an ep episode, uh, my last, uh, scrap with you, like lowering the standard and all of that. Well, that also affects the bench because again, not just my fire department, I'm talking globally, the candidates that are coming in, are coming in at a way lower standard, way lower standard than what we used to have. Uh, and now you have to start even from even lower. And I don't really blame necessarily the candidates because if, if I apply for a position and I'm not ready for it, but they right. give me the job, I'm going to take it. Okay, now it's up to me to try to catch up and everything. But if you're just some dude that, you know, is just there to collect a paycheck or whatever, then he's just gonna stay there. And if we don't have uh, procedures in place to lend you a hand, but also if you're not able to reach that performance level that we need you, we need to have procedures to let you go. Right. So, right. and th that that's that part is extremely extremely difficult right now. At least in our fire department, it's super 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 difficult. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm it's like starting over, man. Starting over, 
and uh, and I'm excited. So it's 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 a double-edged sword because not that we didn't train before, right? We did, but now we're gonna even amplify that training. Uh, we have to right. to get on the same page, and so we can perform as well as we as we used to with the other guys. What you, you know? just used to take for granted, almost just having exactly those... right, big time, little things, little little tiny things that you take for granted. And uh, you don't realize it, man. And those guys are, they're, they're awesome, man. But the, the, on the flip side, what did that just do? Those guys are getting promoted and hopefully they will carry on that uh, aggressive culture, that training mindset, that uh, helping everybody at the firehouse mindset. And now they're moving to different shifts, moving to different companies over the city and having a bigger influence. And really my hopes is to try to send as many of those guys out there geographically so we can infect right. the rest of uh, the guys out there, you know? And I'm, not, and I'm not saying that there is not good people out there. That's not what I'm saying. Like we have a lot of really good firefighters that work for us, but I'm just saying that the guys that I worked with and I'm biased, but I think they were the best hands down. I would put, I would put them against anybody, anybody, you know? Uh, so I love it. I love the pride. I love the pride. I love the fact that you were sad when they promoted, but also, you know, the sad, proud moment, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it's bittersweet. Yeah. Very bittersweet. And then you got to start all over and, and ramp up the ramp up the training to hit the standard. All right. Questions coming at you from the audience. Let's get them going here. Um, Greg Van Ham says, how does that make you feel that you trained your guys up so well to promote up? Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword feeling. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, two of them did not want to promote. They did not. I actually told them, you're taking the test. So, oh, wow. Uh, and, uh, and one of them is actually very pissed off that he got promoted. Uh, but it's he doesn't realize it. It's going to pay off. He's going to get back to a truck company right. faster than he thinks. And uh, he's going to be even happier. So it makes me feel, honestly, it's, it's a good feeling. But at the same time, it's a, it's a sad feeling because I, I lost I lost my crew, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, we you guys know, we, we work together, we live together a third of our life and you know we were very close not just on the job but you know outside the job as well so there is that whole dynamics that's been you know changed you know so right. it's a, it's it's good but it it hurts a little bit but i'm proud when i see those guys i listen to my driver on the radio he uh, he didn't really sound confident at first he he needs to be more confident because he knows what he's doing, but he doubts himself, you know, that kind right, of stuff. Right, but, right. you know, he's been promoted for, you know, about a month now. And I can tell just by his tone on the radio, we're on the same shift still. Okay. He sounds a lot more confident. And I, I shoot him a text. I'm like, damn, man, you sound good. Sounding good. You know? Sounding good. So that, that kind of stuff is, is good, man. Jaime Reyes ask this is me just asking speaking of promoting when's the captain's test ah uh, 
I don't know. We don't have captains in Orlando, but I did the chief test came by in my email and I saw it and I was going to apply for it. And then it disappeared magically. <laughs> it, it ended up in the trash. And then I tried to uh, open it back up and it kicked me out of my email. So, yeah, it's just so, not happening. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to apply this time around. Are you going to? No, I'm not going to. <laughs> well, I'll yeah. talk to you about that. I have a whole theory on on the problem in the American Fire Service. I'll run it by you sometime. Okay. Uh, Next Level Extrication has a question for you coming at you. Paul Shoemaker wants to know, and he's coming up on the scrap next week, in fact. So awesome. get ready for it. On your seat assignments, who takes the spreaders? Who takes the cutters? I'm a believer that the most experienced firefighter takes the spreaders. And then he okay. goes on to say, no stabilization, just a standard cut job. What's your... What's your Okay, so for our SOPs, we have our right jump, which is the firefighter sitting behind the officer. So the officer is going to go out, do a quick 360, figure out what's going on. While that's happening, our right jump is he's tasked with stabilization uh, and taking windows uh, and taking glass. So if it's basic cribbing, he's just going to throw out his chocks. If it needs, you know, uh, crutches or jacks or anything, more severe than both firefighters in the rear uh, will tackle that while the driver will set up the, the extrication tools. So he'll send out, we don't have any hydraulics uh, for us. Everything is, uh, is piped. So uh, we're limited by, by reach. So he'll, he'll put out the cutters, pull out the spreaders while the stabilization is done. And uh, I will actually assist with that after I'm done with my 360, because to me, we got to get this stuff done before we move on to other stuff. If it's not like a rapid rescue type deal. Sure. Okay. And, and he asked me the question without giving me a lot of details of the, the pin job, but essentially after the engineer uh, sets out the spreaders and cutters, he has his sawzall. So the engineer will start cutting the the larger post with the sawzalls, while the the both firefighters will get the uh, cutters and spreaders. And usually, like he said, our left jump, which is the most experienced one, we usually have the spreaders, and our right jump will usually have the cutters. But we we train. I try to really when, when we do training, and all our guys are so close in years of experience that. I really want everybody to be interchangeable and be able to use every tool of equipment just as good as anybody while still having a seat assignment. Sure. Right. So I hope that ex- answers this question. No, I think you, I think you gave lots of details for everybody. Someone asked if uh, Orlando's SOPs were available in any way, shape or form. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, they're, I think you can just type them up online or, if not, you can reach out to me and I'll okay. sign up for you. Yeah, it's not a secret. Love it, love it. Uh, Gavin Reynolds, Go ahead. coming at you. Any recommendations on a two-man engine performing extrication? Rural Georgia Fire Department. Two-man engine running extrication. What? Any tips? I mean, really, size up your vehicle and the patient status. What? What's the status of the patient? Are they critical? Are they BLS? Just like, just entrapped by no emergency to me that's what's going to dictate everything uh is there any imminent danger uh or can we can we wait for resources uh but 
I mean, two men, I mean, you're going to have to do, you're going to have to work a lot harder than, than us. I mean, we're lucky. We got four guys. When I was on the heavy rescue, we had five guys on there. So we're very lucky as far as that goes. You, you guys are working a lot harder, uh, but also you're probably getting a lot more experience. Like, yeah. And honestly, like my old department, we were two, two man engines, three man squads, and you may not be doing it necessarily the right way per the book, but you're getting it done and learning a lot faster, if that makes any sense. No, I love it. In fact, I got another question coming at you on, uh, got that one. I got that one. Yeah. Kyle's killing it right now. He's throwing them up here. Um, there was a, yeah. What is your best, your favorite Sawzall blade for vehicle extrication? Do you have a, do you have a favorite Sawzall blade? Uh, the Diablo, that's what we use. It, it does really well. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm not really, I don't want to be out here BSing you like I'm a Sawzall blade connoisseur, but that's the one we use and it's, it's, it's done well. I mean, we carry, we each carry uh, two extra blades on us. So, I mean, we, we swap them pretty frequently. Okay. No, no. I love it. I love it. Yeah. A lot of people saying Diablo, Diablo, Diablo is fire. Yeah. Uh, Carpe Fuego coming at you. I, I, there are no easy questions. I like this one first. I'm going to run this one. Uh, she says, if he, if Basil could have that crew back for a year, what would he do differently as pro, as far as preparing for next the next string, what would we have? Sorry, I'm reading terribly. What would he have his crew doing in order to facilitate the preparation for future readiness? That's that's a great question, and and to be honest with you, is nothing because let me tell you why. Because we train with every single other companies at our firehouse uh we've developed we developed those guys as much as we can it's just it wasn't enough timing that per our policy like at my firehouse we have two engine companies uh an ambulance uh a hazmat rig and the tower okay so we have a lot of dudes working there we have a very, very young firehouse. By young, I mean the junior guy, had the, 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 I'm sorry, the senior fireman had five years on the job at that firehouse. Backseat, five years. Uh, that's very, very young. Uh, so the other guys that just got hired, they're all great dudes going through all their classes to get their tickets to be able to ride the tower and all of that. We just didn't have the time so to, to get to get them there. But they were the training in-house was happening for sure. It's just to me, I did not see all my crew disappearing at the same time like that. I did, I did not. And, and I don't know if there was anything that that I would do differently to prepare the guys coming up at my firehouse, because really that's the only influence I have, you know, the guys at, at the big house. But, uh, the, I mean, maybe delaying, maybe not having all three of the, the firemen in the back take the test at the same time. But how, how can you hold somebody back? You know, uh, you can't, you know, 
you you want to push people uh, to do better and to spread their wings and all of that. But that's a, that's a great question. I, I think that's more of a organizational question, like a department wide question. Uh, maybe I, I really don't know, man, because I like all the guys, all the new guys in my firehouse are great. So I don't want to say maybe, you know, don't put all brand new guys at the right. big house. I don't I don't want that because the guys that are assigned there want to be there. We're very busy. Nobody complains. Everybody gets along with everybody. There is no animosity between the engines and the trucks. And, you know, so I don't know what the what the answer is for that. Right on. No, great answer. Great question from Amanda. Great answer. I wanted to point out one thing you did say in there was you said you could only worry about your company, your house, you know what I'm saying? Cause that's what you control. And that is until you take that cheese test out of the garbage, but that's for the future talk. So <laughs> uh, we'll talk later. <laughs> Carpet Fuego. Amanda coming up with another one. There's no easy ones here. This one's a tough one. Actually. Can he explain the ideal procedures, coaching, mentoring, physical job assignments, timeline, et cetera, for elevating or culling those who fall below the standard. Okay, so almost. And this is theoretical or ideal also, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So for somebody that falls below the standard, right? That's right. the question? Yes. Okay. So to me, it's going to depend what area they're, they're short in, okay? But really... To me, if they're if they're hired and they're part of the Orlando Fire Department and they are off probation, okay, those guys are part of the family, okay. They're there. So let's say it's like they're my stepkids. I married their mom, okay. They're okay. not my kids, but they're family. They're mine. So essentially, my job is I'm going to do a hundred percent of everything I have in my power to try to bring him up where you need to try to give him a hand, but at some point you're not going to carry them. You cannot carry their weight the entire time. So we, you need to have written standards. And to me, it all needs to be time-based on everything. Uh, and you assess them fairly, not discriminating between genders, race, or any of that. Everybody has the exact same time to pass, no matter how long you have on the job, no matter how old you are, no matter if you're a guy, if you're a girl. And I know this is going to rub some people the wrong way, but it is what it is, and I truly believe that. Uh, and you need to assess them uh, for a, a time-based test. Uh, if they don't make it, you give them X amount of weeks, X amount of months, remediation. You train them, give them another shot. If they don't, they cannot do it. Sorry, guys. Come back later when you're ready and we'll do it again. That's just my personal feeling. And it, it, it depends on, you know, like I said, what area they're lacking. Like some people, I would immediately take you offline. You're offline right now. Like I'm telling you, I'm not going to mention any names. One, there was somebody that tried out for my tower company for one of the spots that one of the guys vacated when they promoted. Okay. I recommended that guy gets pulled offline because he 
you shouldn't they should not even be employed okay oh, that's wow. how bad that person was not not has to do with a truck company or anything but they should not even be employed period okay so immediately take off line give him help assist them you know go on days at the training division or whatever and then come back and try again but that's super difficult that's extremely difficult to do no doubt no doubt uh i love i love your passion for it i love i love your uh, dedication or your your uh just hold the standard that's awesome that's uh, it and and right in line with that there's one coming at you from next level extrication do your firefighters have to test out to get a ladder seat or require specific certifications or is it based on seniority or how do they get how do they get no and i hope it's never based on seniority because seniority does not mean that you have experience and that's that's just straight up the truth uh no you have to have depending on what uh, tower company or specialty company you're applying to uh you need to have uh the certification for all the disciplines so for our truck company tower one it's a dive truck so you need to have all your dive certification it's a high angle truck so technical rescue so you need to have all your ropes confined space vmr uh collapse uh a trench so all of those uh usar type classes as well as taking the truck company operation class those are state certifications okay once once you acquire those and you're off probation you can take the orlando fire department l test which is the ladder test and okay. essentially it's a written exam and a practical exam then once you pass that you get put on a list that you're able to ride the tower companies if one of the guys or the girls are on vacation or they're off furthermore when an opening opens up and that's crew dependent and company dependent then they come out and then they test with you uh so we have our own taiwan tryouts and everybody does it it's the same but the thing is is that when they run through it every single one of us including me the officer runs through it with them i do it again in gear Everything they do, I do. My driver does, my three firemen in the back does. That way there is nothing they can come back and say, oh, well, they made me do this and they made right. me do that. No, we didn't make you, we all did it. We all did it. And it's the same for every single person that's come through since I got promoted over there. And I have it on paper, it's all time-based. Nice. And to be, to be honest with you, my driver, that just got promoted. We call him Papa Jim. He's an old dude. I love him. If he hears this, he's going to get mad. But I did not. He was not my first choice. He was not my first choice until he tested. And he crushed everybody else on nice. the test. So I'm like, dude, you you crushed it. You right. like significantly crushed it. So objective testing so that there is no like bias and BS, but also you need to have good crew cohesiveness. Everybody has to mesh. If, if somebody really doesn't, it, it's gonna throw off that, that crew dynamics. 
I love it, brother, man. I love the questions coming at you. There are a lot coming at you, so please enjoy. Uh, as far as truck work goes, this comes from Brian Iceman. As far as truck work goes in regards to vertical ventilation, does Florida have a lot of metal roofs? And your thoughts on Quay 12, the K-12 for cutting metal roofs? Okay, so I can only speak for my fire department. We do not go topside very much. We only go topside for commercial jobs. We don't go topside for residential. We don't go topside for apartments. We only go topside for uh, commercial uh, because we have so much manpower that we would rather maximize the, the square footage in a search pattern over going up top and sending guys to the roof right away. Uh, so it's worked really well for us. Uh, although I wish we did a little more because I think it's it's cool. But tactically for us, it's worked really, really well. As far as K-12 for uh, metal roofs, <clears throat> well, what blade do you have on there? That's what's going to really determine uh, your, your cut, not just the K-12, but what kind of blade. So for us, we have a Warhog blade. Your, your diamond and your carbide and obviously your chainsaw uh, right. that we take with us on, on the top side. But we our, our typical bread and butter first cut would be a Warhog blade. It's a very aggressive blade. It's got a little wider curve and it's, uh, it's pretty aggressive. So you can get through the first layer of everything and then you can start stitch cutting after that. Now you start saying stuff like curse and all the truck nerds are going to start howling and, and yeah, they're going to be excited. <laughs> I love it. I love it, brother. Um, this is a good transition question. Cause we got to get, I want to talk about it. Uh, Nate Sturm says late to the party. So I apologize if this was asked, it was not asked yet. Nate, he said, Baz, what is your drive and passion behind one bad day? Your love for writ and mayday training. Yeah. Uh, chief, great question, man. Uh, Really, it, it all it all started with long time ago with the RIT competition team that we used to have. And uh, looking, the, the more we started competing and the more we started diving into the statistics and the data and all of that, and we're like, dude, nobody's doing RIT right. RIT is actually fun, man. It's, it's, RIT is everything. It's truck work, engine work. Uh, you know, survival, it's everything. And if you're a good student of RIT, you're a good global firefighter. Your, your knowledge in, of firefighting is, is excellent because you should be well-versed in engine ops, truck ops, survival, ventilation, uh, you know, technical rescue, tick work. It's everything. So uh, my initial drive for it is because I wanted to be really good at everything, which is not possible, but the writ kind of gives you that avenue. And then the more I dug into it, I'm like, dude, we need to start changing the mindset nationally of writ being used as a reactive function and as a checkbox assignment by command. You can, you can do writ functions without being writ activated, without being writ deployed. The caveat here is that you have to remain disciplined and not overcommit uh, on the fire ground. And again, tactics are uh, are regional, man. You know, they're local. So 
depending on your manpower, your staffing, your response and model, Absolutely. it's all going to change, obviously. But that was my initial drive for it. Now, it's one of my favorite classes, one of my favorite lectures, brother. I love it, man. I really do. You're one of my favorite lecturers. I'm not saying that just because you're here. I tell a lot of people that. But um, I want to say it, that has developed, one bad day has developed now into one bad tour. So, right. What, so we tell people exactly what one bad tour is. Okay. So we we've uh, since we started the company, we dabble into many different classes. Obviously, all the truck stuff and the one bad day, which was our our starter uh, base class that we kind of developed other classes with. But uh, so we're the guys were just excuse me, literally sitting there, and the guys were like, we should do a a twenty four hour class, like a you know, just like a very busy shift of just truck work and you know company scenarios and so we're like yeah why can't we do that let's let's do it so we uh we reached out to a, a few different departments uh that would allow us to uh use their facilities uh, actually uh chief uh Sturm there from uh apopka they were going to be the pilot uh, department to let us use their facility. Okay. And, and then uh, they had the, the death of uh, a firefighter, uh, Austin Duran, in their department. And that kind of sure. stopped everything. Uh, so Leesburg Fire Department accepted and let us go out there and then ho- uh, you know, host it for the first time. So we developed a curriculum that was very similar to the one bad day initial three eight hour ish days and uh we added some live fire component which is very very not like me because as you know i only use live victims because i don't want training scars to happen and uh we all know with 1403 nfpa and stuff we can't mix live fire and live victims so it was kind of a difficult pill to swallow initially for me but we were able to create a curriculum that had live fire uh, and did not really hinder the live victim part Uh, so essentially we did a, a trial we put ourselves through the program there were six of us and we quickly realized that we were idiots and we had that program way too hard because we were like, there's no way we're, we're dead, man. We need right. to, we need to tone it way down. But in a nutshell, it's a 24 hour of consecutive work. Uh, just like you're a very busy shift, you, you come up and, you bring your gear, you'll check your rigs, you, you'll bring your own food, your water. Obviously, we have stuff for you, but we want you to come in and be self-sufficient for 24 hours. Uh, and uh, we dispatch you to calls. We try to keep you in uh, the same companies the entire time. Uh, there is uh, three different terminal objectives in the 24-hour uh class uh and it's it's focused on truck company work for civilian uh rate operation and survival there is uh there is no engine work 
uh, in there. Now there is engines involved, but there, there'll be ghost units kind gotcha. of playing stuff for the scenarios. Sure, uh, sure. For you. I love but it. it. Yeah, so we did the first class in Leesburg last year, uh, OBT1. Uh, we had 212 applicants. Uh, we don't take more than 30. And uh, this second one is actually going to be November uh, 18th and 19th coming up uh, in Leesburg again. Okay. And uh, that one had uh, just over 300 applicants from all over the country. Uh, so a lot of lessons learned on our end from the first uh, class uh, that we, we tweak based on some of the feedback from the students uh, sure, sure. and the other instructors that, that we tweak to make the class kind of, you know, flow a little bit better. We're always hypercritical on ourselves, man. Right, you know? right. Uh, but this next one should be really good. So we're going to dial running. it in. Yes, yes. And it's going to keep getting dialed in. You How know? How often is your vision of a, how often do you plan to do a, a one bad tour? So we're going to run it twice a year uh, okay. in the first quarter of the year and in the last quarter of the year where it's a little bit cooler. Sure. Uh, it's easier to run them here, central Florida, uh, because we have all our equipment and most of our cadre is out here. But uh, we're going to, we're going to do one in Florida one in central Florida, and we're going to move one somewhere else around the country at oh, okay. somebody okay. that uh, wants to host it. Uh, the next one next year, uh, the first quarter of 2024 is going to be in South Florida. Uh, so twice a year, that's enough. That's that's enough. Because I, I, for one, I don't want it to become just a regular class that you just take. I want people that put in to actually really want to challenge themselves and and get something out of it, wow. uh, that's why we that's why we have terminal objectives in there. Uh, but it's it's not it's not a difficult class. It's just constant grind uh, of basic operations, essentially teamwork. Andrew Borgia, if I say it wrong, I'm sorry. Could be Bora. Uh, wants to know how was the Manitou incline? I'm not sure if that's. <laughs> He's talking about. We just came back from the Mile High Conference okay. in uh, Colorado. The Manitou incline is uh, it's a hike that you do in Colorado Springs, and uh, we we did it in gear, uh, and uh, we actually did it twice. Did it in gear one day and the next day without gear, and it's uh, actually it was awesome. The views are phenomenal. But the altitude is a real thing. The altitude yeah. difference, yeah. that's a real thing. It took us just over an hour to like a 103 to get it done in gear. Oh, so wow. It was no, a good that's time. awesome. No, I taught it. Uh, I, I just lectured. I wasn't even doing the, the, the incline. Um, I was just lecturing in my little pacing around style of speaking really fast. I was like, what's wrong with your air here? The Colorado <laughs> Springs area, man. Yeah, it's um, great. I was like, where's all your air at? I don't understand. <laughs> uh, I like it. Um, I like, sorry, I'm looking through the questions. I want to get to the good questions. Besides toning it down, this comes from Amanda Miller. Uh, besides toning it down, what were some lessons you learned from the early days of One Bad Day that others could learn from 
and use for their own personal training or for putting on their own class? As, as an instructor? Is that what she's asking? I, I think just lessons learned. And yeah, probably as, well, yeah, take it, that, take it either direction okay. you want. As an instructor, go for it. Okay, as an instructor. So since, so the main thing was beside toning it down, which we, we had to do that, but was for the final scenarios. So it's a crawl, walk, crawl type class on all of them, including one bad tour. It's, it's skills and it, it culminates into this giant, uh, you know, multiple alarm type scenarios. For us was logistically, we were not prepared the first couple of classes, just logistically and, and manpower. Uh, we, we were just recycling the same victims over and over and over and over. And the guys were just getting completely beat up and beat up. Uh, but really dialing down the scenarios so that if command requests the rosters for the shift, then you have those ready to give them. If they ask for their quick action plan with uh, printouts, you have those ready. Uh, so initially we didn't have any of that stuff, gotcha. and which was, you know, the chiefs, the, the student chiefs that would run the command, they would ask for all that. I'm like, damn, dude, I don't have this stuff, but that's a great idea. I would do the same thing if I was running the show. So really it was just adding little things like that to make the final scenarios even more realistic and better. Uh, that's the biggest, uh, I guess, change that we've done. As far as the curriculum goes, it, you know, we just fine tuned the timing based on how many students uh, we took. So we wanted to take uh, you know, 50 students at first, and there's no way you can get people the right amount of reps for uh, that amount of time. So we toned it down to 30, uh, and that seemed a lot more manageable time-wise. Okay. But that's the biggest takeaway, I guess, on our end. Uh, love it, love it. He answered that one. Jake Deal wants to know, how does company mental health play a factor in your everyday leadership and how do you make a check-in on that? Yeah. So, uh, and, and I have that stigma and, and in my own department that I am this like this crazy dude that's super hardcore and that does not like mental health. That's not an advocate for that. That's, that could not be further from the truth. I just, cope a different way than most people. Uh, so we all have different mechanisms and uh, for, for us and the guys, my old crew and my new crew, dude, we, we are in constant contact on the job, off the job. We do stuff off the job all the time. We, we plan trips, we work out together every shift, every day off the job. We, uh, we teach together outside, our families are close, are tight, our kids are close, are tied together. So we have the, a really good on the job and off the job, uh, you know, coping mechanism. Right. And, you know, we, we do check, I check on the guys, man. And we have a really good peer support program, Lieutenant Jeff Orange in Florida, man, he, He's one of our lieutenants and he's running, he started this whole peer support stuff for the state here 
And, uh, you know, we have a lot of really good dudes, guys and girls that we can reach out to. But to be honest with you, like the guys at my firehouse, when we run a crappy call, I ask them, hey, you guys want me to call the peer support? They, they don't want to. They want to sit down at the kitchen table and then talk crap amongst each other. Uh, so that's, I have to legally, I guess, or because I'm the company officer, to, I have to give him that option. Uh, but most of the time we, we cope with each other at the firehouse we, uh, without the use of you know, the additional peer support. However, however, our guys and our girls on that peer support team still reach out off the job, not even on the job. They call the guys because they're our brothers and sisters, man. You take the badge off and the shirt off. We're all human. And the the guys like some really good dude, Pat Kelly calls up. Hey, man, you guys doing all right? Is your crew doing good? I'm I'm not pushy. I just want to know you guys need anything. Give me a call, man. You know, and and that's that's the part that I like that it's not forced on the guys. It's optional. Uh, and the guys do it. The guys that are on the team really do it for the right reasons, like open heart. They care about uh, their, their fellow brothers and sisters, man. And it shows versus having like a mandatory uh, policy. Hey, you run this crazy call. You're going to sit down with a CISM team or whatever it's called nowadays. I don't think that's that's good. But our version of it, that the way we approach it, I think it's a lot it's a lot better, in my opinion. Sure. But, but sure. we all cope differently. We, we all do, you know, different things to de-stress. So I think that's a very uh, multifaceted questions with multiple different answers based no on doubt. the person. Uh, oh, man, there's so many good questions, Baz. You got a lot coming at you, brother. All right, Tom well. Hollick, Tom Hollick, throwing it at you from Texas. Can you talk toward your mindset on training? How you develop a class? How you picked your team? How you identified the skill sets to cover? I love your quote: "Training is controlled failure." It seems this should be the mantra not only for RIT training but across the board. Yeah. So first of all, Tom, I got your text, and yes, I will take care of you. I wasn't able to respond, but you got it, brother. It's coming your way. So. Uh, how I pick the team, the guys teaching with me is because I know what they're capable of. I've seen it in training. I've seen it in real life. So those guys are vetted. And if you notice, and anybody that's taken any of our classes, there is always, always at least one or two very, very junior guys on the crew. And that's the succession planning succession planning for when one of the guys or when one of the girls cannot uh, make it or you know is going to have a kid or a family and is going to be occupied or whatever the case is now we have next guys coming so they're vetted by the extreme amount of training that that we do already on our companies and uh, in orlando and it's not just guys from orlando i mean the, the cadre we have guys from uh, West Coast of Florida, we have guys from Colorado, we have guys from Seattle, we have guys from Georgia. I mean, I want to bring people to teach with me 
that I know that can do the job. As long as you have to be able to back up and do what you say. So that to me, that's the biggest thing. You have to be able to do what you say. Back up the talk. If, if you're not able to, uh, I feel that you're not going to get the amount of buy-in that, that you should. Uh, that's for that, that. That was a multiple. No, there was multiple parts to it, but right? it was a great answer. It was a great answer and got to the meat of it. Uh, Tony Nunez coming at you says, what is your selection process to go from 300 apps to pick those 30, those lucky 30? That is a great question. Very good question. So I have a matrix. Uh, so the application process has uh, different questions on there. Obviously, how long you've been on the job, uh, demographic information for the sole purpose of data collection. That's it. It has nothing to do. I'm not going to pick you if you're a guy versus if you're a girl or if you're an old dude or a young dude. That has nothing to do with it. But, uh, you know, you rank where you're at uh, in the country. Attention to detail. Let me say that again attention to detail. So if I say, if the question says, uh, include what fire department are you from and what state are you in? And you write Orlando fire department, your application is going in the trash. Why? Because you didn't say Orlando fire department, Florida. I'm not trying to be like a jerk, but attention to detail starts early. Uh, and if you're not able to fill out a simple application, you're not ready for this class. Uh, so, uh, yours on the job, uh, classes, have you taken any of the classes that we're going to be covering the topics that we're going to be covering on, uh, uh, what else is on there? Have you applied to the program before? Uh, and, uh, I try to grab X amount of people from the state and about 20% from out of state uh, just to kind of make it easy from where, like regionally where we're going to do it. Uh, and it's very, very difficult to get, go down from 300 oh, I to bet. 30. It's I bet. super difficult. So, and, and I'm telling you, so this is the second class that we ran. If you did not get picked up the last go around and you applied again, you're, you're moving up in the matrix because there is consistency and your, your drive in putting in for the class. So you're moving up. But the choice isn't just mine. There is a panel of us. Once we get them all in, we sit down and then we look at the, the candidates. And we try also to pair you up with people that you work with. So if there's multiple people from your agency, we'll try to do at least one company's worth of people from your agency or neighboring departments. So we can kind of address the same tactics or just, you know. Sure. Or sure. because now we got, got this next one, we got guys from Colorado, we got guys from North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, Oklahoma, Texas, and then a bunch of Florida people in there. So that's pretty wide array yeah. of stuff. So it's, it's difficult if you have too many different uh, sure. jurisdictions in there. But that's a great question, man. And, and the matrix is there. It's not perfect. Obviously, there is some stuff that is subjective, but you have to make an executive decision at some point because it, you, you can't. It's too many people to, to bring right, in. Right, right. No. And, and the attention to detail is a great way just to uh, 
really get rid of some. I mean, yeah, we, pare it down. That takes care of half the people. I'm telling you right there. Yeah. So, sadly. Hey, there's your there's your life hack for getting into one bad tour. <laughs> Attention to detail will get you past half the people. It'll get you in the top fifty percent. Uh, I like this one, and this will. We're, we're, we're yeah, we got a lot of good questions here, but this one is kind of one of the topics we want to talk about anyway. Carpe Fuego says, "Do you have long term plans or strategies for staying relevant and able throughout the life of your career? Will you continue to test yourself through more smoke diver programs or?" competitive events things like that because the last time you were on you said you were going to do the georgia smoke diver and since then you've gone and completed the georgia smoke diver program so talk to uh, the question and to that yes so yes i will constantly set new goals and try to challenge myself it may not be physically they may not be physical goals it may be intellectual goals but for me if I don't have a target in front of me, I will go backwards. I will. There is no, you don't stay stagnant. I used to think that you could be stagnant. That does not exist. You either make progress or you lose progress. Being stagnant is not a thing. So uh, I will always have a goal in front of me to try to reach. So I told my current crew, I told him it'd be really cool if all of us would go to another smoke diver program together. Now I would rather not do uh, an Oklahoma or uh, Indiana because it's a sister program to the Georgia program, which I just uh, was sure. fortunate enough to complete it. I wanted to see something completely different, which it would still be a challenge and it would be, a little different than the Georgia program, but it's a sister program. Sure, so, sure. Uh, we've been in contact with the Alabama smoke diver guys. So if we can pull that off, that will be one uh, that we're going to attempt next. Uh, but it, but I think I need to start, personally speaking, I need to start working on my brain uh, rather than just only physical programs. and. And that sounds bad. That that sounds like all the the smoke diver programs are just physical, and you're not thinking because that's not the case. You're actually doing quite a bit of you right. know, critical thinking, and you know, uh, using your 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 brain and and all. But what I'm talking about is academically. Sure. I need to uh, you know. No, we're tracking. Uh, we get it. You're I get tracking. What you're saying. I, I need to get the right bachelor degree and then the right master degree for future you never know but uh but yeah so i'm always i'm always challenging myself at work or off work and i highly suggest anybody man if you have a target if you have a goal in front of you it's it's a lot easier to move towards it than move towards nothing if that makes sense oh yeah i love yeah. it brother keep preaching baby i love it uh all right man we there's there's still four or five more questions there didn't quite get to them all but we've been going at it uh and and i'm loving it but i do want to move to uh anything else you want to cover i, I think we covered hit a lot of it right yeah you were good man we're okay good. i mean book could talk for a week but that's i know i know and, and the questions are still coming but we do have to pick it but uh book or books that you think firefighters should be reading it's one of my favorite questions i love asking it okay so i just 
got done reading it and it's called surrounded by idiots okay it's in um, it's by uh, uh thomas erickson and uh it it's a book that discusses different type of uh individual behaviors uh the type of person you are and how to deal with that said person uh and thomas erickson categorized those behaviors those traits into four different colors uh red blue green and yellow and based on that that book is not meant to figure out which color you are rather how to deal with people of those, of those type of behaviors so uh i was told that i have a delivery problem uh my delivery was a little bit too uh direct or whatever people want to say brisk so, brusque, uh, yeah yeah whatever man uh so i'm like well maybe i'm just not understanding these people uh and uh that book is actually very very good okay it, so it's called surrounded by idiots now once you yeah. mentioned the colors uh i realized someone just suggested that book to me when, oh, when really? i was out when i was out, out in california someone said you got to read this book it's great teaches yeah. you how to deal with people and so yeah. no I, I love it it's good man so that's what i suggest because that's the the latest one that i've read i love it any others you want to throw in? Because I'll write them down. I'm just, I'm just looking. I'm always looking. But if that's it, yeah. The, yeah. the, the okay. other one that I, I'm sure somebody suggested, but it's, and I'm going to curse. It's called "Fuck Your Feelings." Right. So that's a good one too. Uh, but you're safe. We're on the interwebs. You're safe. You can. You cool. can. Yeah. But no, that's <laughs> it, man. Surrounded by idiots. Great book. Love it. Uh, my, that seems to be my my saying for the night. I love it. I love it. I just keep saying it every time Baz talks. Uh, so here we go. This is one of my favorite parts of the show. The five questions for firefighters. You were around for the original set. I'm pretty sure. And yeah. then now we have moved on. We're now at the five questions for firefighters version 3.2. It's the third set with some modifications over time. So the questions, man, the answers are simply your opinions. There are no right or wrong. The points are arbitrary. They're assigned by me with the help of the audience. So Basil, are you ready? for the five questions for firefighters version 3.2 let's do it all right here we go what is the skill that has carried you through your fire service career okay so i'm gonna say it's a com it's a combo it's consistency and impatience okay okay and 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 let me expand real quick right on I was consistent pressure, slow pressure on everything that I wanted my entire career. If I want to get to this truck company, I'm going to apply. I'm going to apply. If I want this job, I'm going to apply. I'm going to apply. And the impatience part, it, it, a lot of people view it negatively. But if you, if you combine consistent effort with rapid effort which the impatience you will get to your goal faster it's worked for me so i i'm not waiting i i keep the pressure going what it is and i want it now i want it now and a little bit it's not working that's fine i'm going to keep 
trying this, trying this, but in rapid sequence. I, right. I, I don't want to wait. And it's a double-edged sword, but sure. it's worked for me. I've been at the right places at the right time by my impatience combined with my consistent uh, traits have taken me where where I am, man. And, and I'm blessed. I love it. I, I, I do. I say I love it again. Uh, uh, you've got like 14 people saying max points already on it. The scruff beard gets max points also was also mentioned there. Max <laughs> points. Right. Love the impatience. Uh, impsistency. That's what I'm going to say. That's what I call it. Impsistency. There it's impatience go. mixed with consistency. Impsistency uh, gets max points. Question one. All right. Number two. It's job town. It's time. You're in route and responding. You have to think of the scene from Backdraft where they slap the tape into the tape deck. Uh, what song are you playing in route? Uh, I'll play uh, the Rocky Balboa theme song, Going Up the Stairs. That's it. it. That's what's <laughs> in my head. The Rocky theme song. There you go. It's going to be added to the playlist. There you uh, go. <laughs> Rocky, Rocky on the steps absolutely gets max points. And now it's stuck in my head right now. <laughs> da, 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 da. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what is your favorite fire service tradition? Uh, I like the the earn your shield uh, tradition. I don't know if you guys have it or whatnot, but for us, whether you get off probation or you get assigned to a truck company. Uh, so if you're on probation, uh, you you wear your generic shield, so Orlando Fire Department shield, and then you get off probation and your crew buys you your engine one shield or nice. engine whatever, your rig shield. And uh, there is, you got to earn it because there are usually some sort of assessment uh, attached to that. And same thing for the truck companies. Uh, we, we all are, are all a little bit different uh, for us on Taiwan. We started this new one, and I give credit to uh, Mikey Covell, who was my uh, old fireman who just got promoted to engineer. But uh, he's like, let's do a one day at the training center of we cover every discipline that we have on the truck. So one hour of truck work, one hour of rope, one hour of confined space, one hour of dive, one hour of uh, VMR, one hour of trench, one hour of... Uh, uh, collapse, uh, confined space, and we're literally doing all day, boom, 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 back to back, all of us. Wow, wow. And then at the end, it's, it's a fun day, man, you know, and at the right. end of the day, we give the new members their shield. That's so, awesome, man. That's uh, but awesome. So, yeah, so I would say the earn your shield for the company. Again, the max points are just flying by, flying by. Max points for shield, max points, all about earning the shield, max points. Uh, yeah, he goes, Jake Deal said, max points. I like that shit. Crew buys your new shields. Man, that is cool, man. I like the pride. I like the esprit de corps that kind of builds into it, man. The identity, the belonging. It's all, dude, I love that. That's the whole purpose of having traditions. That's right. Man. Uh, number four, and this one is on the clock. So Sam's going to put the clock there where everybody can see it. You can see the clock ticking down. You have one minute to answer. Who are the four people you would put on your Mount Rushmore of the fire service? Uh, Don Abbott. Uh, yeah, Don Abbott. Brian Brush, mm. Firefighter Rescue Survey. Absolutely. 
Jim McCormick, FDTN. And uh, Chief D David Rhodes, Chief Rhodes on it. Brother, that's a yeah, solid. Chief Rhodes. I don't know if that's the fastest. It might be the fastest ever. And Chief had... Rhodes. I was uh, I'm debating you, but only four. There's so only many four. out there. Oh, brother, that's why we had to put on a clock. There's so if, many. If it's not on the clock, then then people start, start yeah, giving alternates because... and backups and, and reasons why. Because, I mean, Don Abbott – and Brian Brush, I mean, Don Abbott, you know, obviously he just passed, but yep. his uh, research and study for the Mayday project is unbelievable and so instrumental that he changed the fire service. Uh, Brian Brush and the Firefighter Rescue Survey team oh, are brother. changing the game right now. And if, if I'm, I'm sure everybody that's listening knows that. You can uh, never mention you can never mention it enough. So absolutely, firefighterrescuesurvey.com. Firefighter Go be a part. Survey, Go be a part. Uh, Jim McCormick, I mean pioneer for doing real training, legit real training experience, seasoned guys teaching, uh, phenomenal facility, uh, and I mean uh, you know Chief Rhodes, man. I mean taking over uh, you know Bobby Halton's spot. Uh, with FDIC, his leadership in the, the Smoke Diver, Georgia Smoke Diver program, his mindset and developing that many smoke divers that are multiplying and having that mindset over and, you know, multiplying exponentially around the country. Uh, and now he's, you know, at the head of the biggest fire conference out there with his speech that he did oh, last dude. year. Beautiful. And we, we're in really good hands with all these people, man. I, I hope somebody, and I don't know if, if you know or anybody can answer this, but is anybody taking over Chief Abbott's research? Man, I heard, the, this is what I heard the other day, is that, that Project Mayday actually went offline because... Oh, it did? Yeah. And, That's and what so I'm asking is... No, I don't think anybody is carrying the torch yet. I don't, I, and I haven't looked into it, but we, okay. we, we were actually just talking about it the other day and all saying right. that the website was down because obviously... Yeah. No one's maintaining it. So right. Well, if anybody knows anything about I me, mean, you got a huge platform here. Yes, absolutely. Let me know. That would be fantastic. If anybody knows who, yeah, reach out to Basil. We'll get your uh, contact info at the end and let him know, man. Yeah, but, absolutely. I mean, Corley, you and I know you won't. You won't take it. But what you're doing with the scrap is, oh. I'm serious. I, I get it. All right. Okay. Thank you. It. Yeah. Like I, when I, I you say, don't is. read my bio. I know how it is, but <laughs> thank that's you. The truth. That's the truth. The vessel of information that you are providing for everybody, dude, is is invaluable, man. Like thank the you. people, it's it's unreal, man. I'm terrible so, at taking compliments, but I I'm telling you this, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I'm the luckiest dude in the fire service because I get a, I get to sit here and listen to you for like an hour and a half, and then people tell me thank you. Like how how awesome is that? You know what I'm saying? So yeah. thank you. Uh, number uh, now, Max Points. Someone said you didn't get Max Points because you didn't say Brian Crush because that's what we <laughs> that's how we refer to him always on the scrap. Brian right. Crush. Uh, but right. no, Max Points. Max Points. Uh, four for four. Final question. You've had it before, but I don't know if anything's changed in that time. But it's heavy fire, searchable space. 
would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on VES? I can't believe you're even asking this question. <laughs> VES, of course. Every time. Of I would course. be I would have been I would have been shocked if you had some sort of new uh approach or philosophy that no, would have changed. No, it. no, not gonna change. This is it. Uh, I don't know. It was like 20 minutes in and we hit over a hundred comments. So you'll have to go to YouTube. You have to go to Facebook and look at those comments at your leisure and check out the ones I couldn't even see and get to and read to you. There's a lot of people uh, complimenting you on being a sexy, C a plugged in firefighter and good at what you do. But there's a lot of good compliments uh, or comments, not just compliments. And there was questions I didn't get to. So you can, you can mess with those at your leisure, but brother, absolutely crushed it. Uh, yeah, Carpe, they said max points, max points, max points, extra credit, max points. Uh, great scrap. Um, so that being said, five questions for firefighters, max points, five for five. Good job, sir. All right. I should have gone back and seen your old score and see if you, uh, if you crushed it back to back, but I don't, we'll have to. I, I think you give five points to everybody, Corley. That's not true. It's not, that's not true. There have oh, been, no. it's very rare, but I, let's be honest. And this is the truth of it. When you bring on the stellar guests that I have on, you it's almost a it's almost hard for them not to just absolutely crush. You know, that's fair. it really is. It, I, it's it's almost like the standard is so uh, or it, yeah, what is it when the standard's so high? The coasters are rock stars. So <laughs> that's right. That's officially two hundred and fourteen scraps in the books. My brother Basil Ibrahim, what an amazing evening! Thank you for sharing your evening with us. If someone wants to get a hold of you. Uh, get more info about the show or has info on, on Project Mayday or Don Abbott or anything like that, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, um, email or any social media. So uh, pro, P-R-O-F-D training at gmail.com or message me on the social media and I'll get right back to you, man. That officially does it. Uh, go to firehousevigilance.com. If you're not a vigilante, man, you got to be a part of it. Uh, this Friday, I'm going live to do another fire away. I got all these topics we're going to talk about, and, and you can just ask live questions on the fire away. It's a lot of fun. Plus, the after party, which is coming up here in about two minutes, where you get to go in and roast Basil. They never do. But you get to go roast Basil and tell him how how awesome or poorly he did on the scrap. Uh, but you got to go firehousevigilance.com. Join. It's five bucks a month. It's awesome. I'm, uh, next week, Coming up, lithium ion, electric vehicles, extra. I mean, it's going to be awesome. Paul Shoemaker of Next Level Extrication, who is in here asking great questions tonight. I'm excited for it. A lot of hype from people who have attended his class. He he might he might be the most hyped uh, guest that I've never met, or, or you know, and because of how many people said, "Man, his class is amazing. His class is amazing. Can't wait for you to have him on." So I'm excited for that. Uh, followed by that, Reginald McKnight. Followed by the one and only Brian Crush. So. It's happening, man. Amazing scraps just keep on happening in 2023. The final quarter is going to finish strong. Uh, Vigilantes, I will post the link as soon as we get out of here. So look for it in the private group and we will uh, be ready to roast Basil. <laughs> I don't know why I even said we do it. Uh, thank you, my brother, for being such an amazing guest. Thanks for having me again, man. It was a blast. See you as guys. That. Uh, audience, you make the scrap magical. Thank you for showing up, asking questions. Uh, you make the scrap amazing. Would be nothing without you. I hope the tones stay silent unless it is burning. Everybody stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.